Section 4 of Junior Classics, Volume 5, Stories That Never Grow Old. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pooja Dubey. Junior Classics, Volume 5, Stories That Never Grow Old. Edited by William Patton. Section 4. The Story of Aladdin or the Wonderful Lamp. Part 1. There once lived in one of the large and rich cities of China a tailor named Mustafa. He was very poor. He could hardly by his daily labor maintain himself and his family, which consisted only of his wife and a son. His son, who was called Aladdin, was a very careless and idle fellow. He was disobedient to his father and mother, and would go out early in the morning and stay out all day, playing in the streets and public places with idle children of his own age. When he was old enough to learn a trade, his father took him into his own shop and taught him how to use his needle. But all his father's endeavors to keep him to his work were vain for no sooner was his back turned when he was gone for that day mustapha chastised him but aladdin was incorrigible and his father to his great grief was forced to abandon him to his idleness and was so much troubled about him that he fell sick and died in a few months aladdin who was now no longer restrained by the fear of a father gave himself entirely over to his idle habits and was never out of the streets from his companions this course he followed till he was fifteen years old without giving his mind to any useful pursuit or the least reflection on what would become of him as he was one day playing according to custom in the streets with his evil associates a stranger passing by stood to observe him this stranger was a sorcerer known as african magician as he had been but two days arrived from africa his native country the african magician observing in aladdin's countenance something which assured him that he was a fit boy for his purpose inquired his name and history of some of his companions and when he had learned all he desired to know went up to him and taking him aside from his comrades said child was not your father called mustapha the tailor yes sir answered the boy but he has been dead a long time at these words the american magician threw his arms about aladdin's neck and kissed him several times with tears in his eyes and said i'm your uncle your worthy father was my own brother i knew you at first sight you were so like him then he gave aladdin a handful of small money saying go my son to your mother Give my love to her and tell her that I will visit her tomorrow, that I may see where my good brother lived so long and ended his days. Aladdin ran to his mother, overjoyed at the money his uncle had given him. Mother, said he, have I an uncle? No, child, replied his mother. You have no uncle by your father's side or mine. I am just now come, said Aladdin from a man who says he is my uncle and my father's brother he cried and kissed me and when i told him my father was dead and gave me money sending this love to you and promising to come and pay you a visit 
that he may see the house my father lived and died in indeed child replied the mother your father had no brother nor have you an uncle the next day the magician found aladdin playing in another part of the town and embracing him as before put two pieces of gold into his hand and said to him carry this child to your mother tell her that i will come and see her tonight and bid her get us something for supper but first show me the house where you live aladdin showed the african magician the house and carried the two pieces of gold to his mother who went out and bought provisions and considering she wanted various utensils borrowed them of her neighbors she spent the whole day in preparing the supper and at night when it was ready said to her son perhaps the stranger knows not how to find our house go and bring him if you meet with him aladdin was just ready to go when the magician knocked at the door and came in loaded with wine and all sorts of fruits which he bought for a dessert after he had given what he brought into aladdin's hands he saluted his mother and desired her to show him the place where his brother mustafa used to sit on the sofa and when she had done so he fell down and kissed it several times crying out with tears in his eyes my poor brother how unhappy am i not to have come soon enough to give you last embrace aladdin's mother desired him to sit down in the same place but he declined no said he i shall not do that but give me leave to sit opposite to it that although i see not the master of my family so dear to me i may at least behold the place where he used to sit when the magician had made choice of a place and sat down he began to enter into discourse with aladdin's mother my good sister said he do not be surprised at your never having seen me all the time you have been married to my brother mustafa of happy memory i have been forty years absent from this country which is my native place as well as my late brothers and during that time had travelled into the indies persia arabia syria and egypt and afterwards crossed over to africa where i took up my abode alas as it is natural for a man i was desirous to see my native country again and to embrace my dear brother and finding i had strength enough to undertake so long a journey i made the necessary preparations and set out nothing ever afflicted me so much as hearing of my brother's death but god be praised for all things it is a comfort for me to find as it were my brother in a son who has his most remarkable features the african magician perceiving that the widow wept at the remembrance of her husband changed the conversation and turning towards her son asked him what business do you follow are you of any trade at this question the young hung down his head and was not a little abashed when his mother answered aladdin is an idle fellow his father when alive strove all he could to teach him his trades but could not succeed and since his death notwithstanding all i can say to him he does nothing but idle away his time in the streets as you saw him without considering he is no longer a child and if you do not make him ashamed of it i despair of his ever coming to any good for my part i am resolved one of these days to turn him out of doors and let him provide for himself after these words aladdin's mother burst into tears and the magician said this is not well nephew you must think of helping yourself and getting your livelihood there are many sorts of trades perhaps you do not like your father's and would prefer another i will endeavor to help you if you have no mind to learn any handicraft 
I will take a shop for you, furnish it with all sorts of fine stuffs and linens, and then with the money you make of them, you can lay in fresh goods and live in an honorable way. Tell me freely what you think of my proposal. You shall always find me ready to keep my word. This plan just suited Aladdin, who hated work. He told the magician he had a greater inclination to that business than to any other, and that he should be much obliged to him for his kindness. Well then, said the African magician, I will carry you with me tomorrow, clothe you as handsomely as the best merchants in the city, and afterwards we will open a shop as I mentioned. The widow after his promises of kindness to her son, no longer doubted that the magician was her husband's brother. She thanked him for his good intentions after having exhorted Aladdin to render himself worthy of his uncle's favor, served up supper, at which they talked of several indifferent matters, and then the magician took his leave and retired. He came again the next day, as he had promised, and took Aladdin with him to a merchant, who sold all sorts of clothes for different ages and ranks ready-made and a variety of the stuffs and bade aladdin choose those he preferred which he paid for when aladdin found himself so handsomely equipped he returned his uncle thanks who thus addressed him as you are soon to be a merchant it is proper you should frequent these shops and be acquainted with them he then showed him the largest and finest mosque carried him to the khans or inns where the merchants and travellers lodged and afterwards to the sultan's palace where he had free access and at last brought him to his own khan where meeting with some merchants he had become acquainted with since his arrival he gave him a treat to make them and his pretended nephew acquainted this entertainment lasted till night when aladdin would have taken leave of his uncle to go home the magician would not let him go by himself but conducted him to his mother, who, as soon as she saw him, so well-dressed, was transported with joy and bestowed a thousand blessings upon the magician. Early the next morning, the magician called again for Aladdin, and said he would take him to spend that day in the country, and on the next he would purchase the shop. He then led him out at one of the gates of the city to some magnificent places to each of which belonged beautiful gardens into which anybody might enter at every building he came to he asked aladdin if he did not think it fine and the youth was ready to answer when anyone presented itself crying out here is a finer house uncle than any we had seen by this artifice the cunning magician led aladdin some way into the country and as he meant to carry him further to execute his design. He took an opportunity to sit down in one of the gardens on the brink of a fountain of clear water, which discharged itself by a lion's mouth, of brawn into a basin, tending to be tired. Come, nephew, said he, you must be weary as well as I. Let us rest ourselves, and we shall be better able to pursue our walk. The magician next pulled from his girdle a handkerchief with cakes and fruits, and during this short repast he exhorted his nephew to leave off bad company and to seek that of wise and prudent men, to improve by their conversation. For, said he, you will soon be at the man's estate, and you cannot too early begin to imitate their example. When they had eaten as much as they liked, they got up and pursued their walk through gardens, separated from one another by only small ditches, which marked out the limits without interrupting the communication. So great was the confidence the inhabitants reposed in each other, 
By this means, the African magician drew Aladdin insensibly beyond the gardens and crossed the country till they nearly reached the mountains. At last they arrived between two mountains of moderate height and equal size, divided by a narrow valley, which was the place where the magician intended to execute the design that he had brought him from Africa to China. We will go no further now, said he to Aladdin. I will show you here some extraordinary things, which, when you have seen, you will thank me for. But while I strike a light, gather up all the loose dry sticks you can see, to kindle a fire with. Aladdin found so many dried sticks that he soon collected a great heap. The magician presently set them on fire, and when they were in a blaze, threw in some incense, pronouncing several magical words which Aladdin did not understand. He had scarcely done so when the earth opened just before the magician and discovered a stone with a brass ring fixed in it. Aladdin was so frightened that he would have run away, but the magician caught hold of him and gave him such a box on the ear that he knocked him down. Aladdin got up trembling, and with tears in his eyes said to the magician, What have I done, uncle, to be treated in this severe manner? I am your uncle, answered the magician. I supply the place of your father, and you ought to make no reply. But child, added he, softening, do not be afraid, for I shall not ask anything of you, but that you obey me punctually. If you would reap the advantages which I intend you, know then that under this stone there is a hidden treasure destined to be yours and which will make you richer than the greatest monarch in the world no person but yourself is permitted to lift the stone or enter the cave so you must punctually execute what i make command for it is a matter of great consequence both to you and me aladdin amazed at all he saw and heard forgot what was past and rising and said well uncle what is to be done? Command me, I am ready to obey. I am overjoyed, child, said the African magician, embracing him. Take hold of the ring and lift up that stone. Indeed, uncle, replied Aladdin, I am not strong enough, you must help me. You have no occasion of my assistance, answered the magician. If I help you, we shall be able to do nothing. Take hold of the ring and lift it up. You will find it will come easily. Aladdin did as the magician bade him, raised the stone with ease and laid it on one side. When the stone was pulled up, there appeared a staircase, about three or four feet deep, leading to a door. Descend, my son, said the African magician, those steps, and open that door. It will lead you to a palace divided into three great halls. In each of these, you will see four large brass cisterns placed on each side, full of gold and silver. But take care you do not meddle with them. Before you enter the first hall, be sure to tuck up your rope, wrap it about you, and then pass through the second into the third without stopping. Above all things, have a care that you do not touch the walls so much as with your clothes, for if you do, you will die instantly. At the end of the third hall, you will find a door which opens into a garden planted with fine trees loaded with fruit. Walk directly across the garden to a terrace where you'll see a niche before you, and in that niche a lighted lamp. Take the lamp down and put it out. When you have thrown away the wick and pour out the liquor, put it into your waistband and bring it to me. Do not be afraid that liquor will spoil your clothes, for it is not oil, and the lamp will be dry as soon as it is thrown out. 
after these words the magician drew a ring of his finger and put it on one of aladdin's saying it is a talisman against all evil so long as you obey me go therefore boldly and we shall both be rich all our lives aladdin descended the steps and opening the door found the three halls just as the african magician had described he went through them with all the precaution that the fear of death could inspire crossed the garden without stopping took down a lamp from the niche threw out the wick and the liquor and as the magician had desired put it in his waistband but as he came down from the terrace seeing it was perfectly dry he stopped in the garden to observe the trees which were loaded with extraordinary fruit of different colors on each tree some bore fruit entirely white and some clear and transparent as crystal some pale red and others deeper some green blue and purple and others yellow in short there was fruit of all colors the white were pearls the clear and transparent diamonds the deep red rubies the paler balas rubies the green emeralds the blue turquoises the purple amethyst and the yellow topazes aladdin ignorant of their value would have preferred figs or grapes or pomegranates but as he had his uncle's permission he resolved to gather some of every sort having filled the two new purses uncle had bought for him with his clothes he wrapped some up in the skirts of his vest and crammed his bosom as full as it could hold aladdin having thus loaded himself with riches of what he knew not the value returned through the three halls with the utmost precaution and soon arrived at the mouth of the cave where the african magician awaited him with the utmost impatience as soon as aladdin saw him he cried out pray uncle lend me your hand to help me out give me the lamp first replied the magician it will be troublesome to you indeed uncle answered aladdin i cannot now but i will as soon as i am up the freaking magician was determined that he could have the lamp before he could get him up and aladdin who had encumbered himself so much with his fruit that he could not well get at it refused to give it him till he was out of the cave the african magician provoked at this obstinate refusal flew into a passion threw a little of his essence into the fire and pronounced two magical words when the stone which had closed the mouth of the staircase moved into its place with the earth over it in the same manner as it lay at the arrival of the magician and aladdin this action of magician plainly revealed to aladdin that he was no uncle of his but one who designed him evil the truth was that he had learned from his magic books the secret and the value of this wonderful lamp the owner of which would be made richer than any earthly ruler and hence his journey to china his art had also told him that he was not permitted to take it himself but must receive it as a voluntary gift from the hands of another person hence he employed young aladdin and hoped by a mixture of kindness and authority to make him obedient to his words and will when he found that his attempt had failed he set out on the return to africa but avoided the town lest any person who had seen him leave in company with aladdin should make inquiries after the youth aladdin being suddenly enveloped in darkness cried and called out to his uncle to tell him he was ready to give him the lamp but in vain since his cries could not be heard he descended to the bottom of the steps with the design to get into the palace but the door which was opened before by enchantment was now shut by the same means he then redoubled his cries and tears sat down on the steps without any hopes of ever seeing light again and in an expectation of passing from the present darkness into a speedy death 
in this great emergency he said there is no strength of power but in the great and high god and enjoining his hands to pray he rubbed the ring which the magician had put on his finger immediately a genie of frightful aspect appeared and said what wouldst thou have i am ready to obey thee i serve him who possesses the ring on thy finger i and the other slaves of that ring at another time aladdin would have been frightened at the sight of so extraordinary a figure but the danger he was in made him answer without hesitation whoever thou art deliver me from this place he had no sooner spoken these words than he found himself on the very spot where the magician had last left him and no sign of cave or opening nor disturbance from the earth returning god thanks to find himself once more in the world he made the best of his way home when he got within his mother's door the joy to see her and his weakness for want of sustenance made him so faint that he remained for a long time as dead as soon as he recovered he related to his mother all that had happened to him and they were both vehement in their complaints of the cruel magician aladdin slept very soundly till late the next morning when the first thing he said to his mother was that he wanted something to eat and wished she would give him his breakfast alas child said she i have not a bit of bread to give you you ate up all the provisions i had in the house yesterday but i have a little cotton which i have spun i will go and sell it and buy bread and something for our dinner mother replied aladdin keep your cotton for another time and give me the lamp i brought home with me yesterday i will go and sell it and the money i shall get for it will serve both for breakfast and dinner and perhaps supper too aladdin's mother took the lamp and said to her son here it is but it is very dirty if if it was a little cleaner i believe it would bring something more she took some fine sand and water to clean it but but had no sooner begun to rub it than in an instant a hideous genie of gigantic size appeared before her and said to her in a voice of thunder what wouldst thou have i am ready to obey thee as thy slave and the slave of all those who have that lamp in their hands i and the other slaves of the lamp aladdin's mother terrified at the sight of the genie fainted when aladdin who had seen such a phantom in the cavern snatched the lamp out of the mother's hand and said to the genie boldly i'm hungry bring me something to eat the genie disappeared immediately and in an instant returned with a large silver tray holding twelve colored dishes of the same metal which contained the most delicious viands six large white bread cakes on the two plates two flagons of wine and two silver cups all these he placed upon a carpet and disappeared this was done before aladdin's mother recovered from her swoon aladdin had fetched some water and sprinkled it in her face to recover her whether that or the smell of the meat affected her cure it was not long before she came to herself mother said aladdin be not afraid get up and eat here is what will put you in heart and at the same time satisfy my extreme hunger his mother was much surprised to see the great tray twelve dishes six loaves and the two flagon and cups and to smell the savory odor which exhaled from the dishes child said she to whom are we obliged for this great plenty and liberality has the sultan been made acquainted with our poverty and had compassion on us it is no matter mother said aladdin let us sit down and eat 
for you have almost as much need of a good breakfast as myself when we have done i will tell you accordingly both mother and son sat down and ate with a better relish as the table was so well furnished but all the time adaldi's mother could not forbear looking at and admiring the trays and dishes though she could not judge whether they were silver or any other metal and the novelty more than the value attracted her attention the mother and son sat at breakfast till it was dinner time and then they thought it would be best to put the two meals together yet after this they found they should have enough left for supper and two meals for the next day when aladdin's mother had taken away and sat by what was left she went and sat down by her son on the sofa saying i expect now that you should satisfy my impatience and tell me exactly what passed between the genie and you while i was in a spoon which he readily complied with she was in as great amazement at what her son told her as at the appearance of the genie and said to him but son what have we to do with genies i never heard that any of my acquaintance had ever seen one how come that wild genie to address himself to me and not to you to whom he had appeared before in the cave mother answered aladdin the genie you saw is not the one who appeared to me if you remember he that i first saw called himself the slave of the ring on my finger and this you saw called himself the slave of the lamp you had in your hand but i believe you did not hear him for i think you fainted as soon as he began to speak what cried the mother was your lamp then the occasion of that cursed genie's addressing himself rather to me than to you ah my son take it out of my sight and put it where you please i had rather you would sell it than run the hazard of being frightened to death again by touching it and if you would take my advice you would part also with the ring and not have anything to do with genies who as our prophet had told us are only devils with your leave mother replied aladdin i shall now take care how i sell a lamp which may be so serviceable both to you and me that false and wicked magician would not have undertaken so long a journey to secure this wonderful lamp if he had not known its value to exceed that of gold and silver and since we have honestly come by it let us make a profitable use of it without making any great show and exciting the envy and jealousy of our neighbors however since the genie is frightening you so much i will take it out of your sight and put it where i may find it when i want it the ring i cannot resolve to part with for without that you had never seen me again and though i am alive now perhaps if it were gone i might not be so some moments hence therefore i hope you will give me leave to keep it and to wear it always on my finger aladdin's mother replied that he might do what he pleased for her part she would have nothing to do with genies and never say anything more about them by the next night they had eaten all the provisions the genie had bought and the next day aladdin who could not bear the thought of hunger putting one of the silver dishes under his vest went out early to sell it and addressing himself to a jew whom he met in the streets took him aside and pulling out the plate asked him if he could buy it the cunning jew took the dish examined it and as soon as he found that it was good silver asked aladdin at how much he valued it aladdin who had never been used to such traffic told him he would trust to his judgment and honor the jew was somewhat confounded at this plain dealing and doubting whether aladdin understood the material or the full value of what he offered to sell 
took a piece of gold of his purse and gave it him though it was but the sixteenth part of the worth of the plate aladdin taking the money very eagerly retired with so much haste that the jew not content with the exorbitancy of his profit was vexed he had not penetrated into his ignorance and was going to run after him to endeavour to get some change out of the piece of the gold but he ran so fast and had got so far that it would have been impossible for him to overtake him before aladdin went home he called at a baker's brought some cakes of bread changed his money and on his return gave the rest to his mother who went and purchased provisions enough to last them some time after this manner they lived till aladdin had sold the twelve dishes singly as necessity pressed to the jew for the same money who after the first time durst not offer him less for fear of losing so good a bargain when he had sold the last dish he had recourse to the tray which weighed ten times as much as the dishes and would have carried it to his old purchaser but that it was too large and cumbersome therefore he was obliged to bring him home with him to his mother's where after the jew had examined the weight of the tray he laid down ten pieces of gold with which aladdin was very well satisfied when all the money was spent aladdin had recourse again to the lamp he took it in his hand looked for that part where his mother had rubbed it with the sand rubbed it also when the genie immediately appeared and said what wouldst thou have i am ready to obey thee as thy slave and the slave of all those who have that lamp in their hands i and the other slaves of the lamp i am hungry said aladdin bring me something to eat the genie disappeared and presently returned with a tray the same number of covered dishes as before set them down and vanished as soon as aladdin found that their provisions were again expended he took one of the dishes and went to look for his jew chapman but passing by a goldsmith's shop the goldsmith perceiving him called to him and said my lad i imagine that you have something to sell to the jew whom i often see you visit but perhaps you do not know that he is the greatest rogue even among the jews i will give you the full worth of what you have to sell or i will direct you to other merchants who will not cheat you end of section 4 recorded by pooja dubey mumbai india